My name's Tom DeFiore. I'm president of National Community Development Services, a national fundraising firm with specialties in uh, community and economic development. Craig and I found each other a couple years ago and quickly realized that we might have some services that if we linked them up could be helpful to folks in the broadband world. Uh, as a very brief overview of what we do and how we do it, um, most of our clients are economic development organizations, uh, chambers of commerce, EDCs, uh, and the like, uh, something very often paired with local governments for strategic initiatives um, structured around economic development. In other words, we help fund communities' uh, strategies that they think will produce jobs, attract companies, uh, lead to greater quality of life, etc. Um, the, the, the short of how we do it is we help position and package uh, an aggressive multi-year strategic plan we put economic impact and benefit behind it and then go to the community stakeholders, both public and private, and show them why uh, investing in this program and its, ex and its execution will benefit them. Um, that's kind of the, the quick of it. And um, from what I've learned from Craig about broadband is that it's a pretty good fit. For example, um, some of our clients and communities of all sizes from very small of oh, 20,000 uh, population counties to large you know, metro areas of a couple million or more. Um, they're doing whatever they think is necessary to grow their local economy. Uh, generally, it's business recruitment and retention type efforts. Um, often, it's entrepreneurial programs, uh, and including building incubators. Um, some of our clients have used money we've raised to actually fund industrial parks or build spec buildings in industrial parks. So from that, it's not a very far leap to think that a broadband network could easily fit within those parameters and that by making the same case that we make to businesses uh, for a traditional economic development program, we could easily make the case for a broadband network. Um, so that's, uh, that's pretty much... Yes, Craig. Uh, I don't know what happened but we couldn't get me connected. But you were doing right. a great job. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a while to figure out that, that that I could be heard, but 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 so once I did, I just started talking. Dude, that's that's excellent. I um we're still having a problem. I can't see the chat room, so I can't see if there are guests here or whatever. But um, I can see I, guests. Oh, great. Well, let's just. Pick it up and carry on. Okay, and, none, of them have uh, asked, none of them have asked any questions yet. Uh, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Well, well, basically, folks, now that you, you're here, um, yes, we, the 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 thing of raising money for broadband networks is creating a lot of uh, consternation with a lot of people in a lot of communities, and they're trying to answer that question, how do we get the money without having to pass taxes and so forth, which no one wants to do. And so we're looking at a number of different options. Uh, Tom here with the um, National Commun uh, Community Development uh, Services uh, Company has been doing economic fundraising for a number of years. Um, they have operated in about, what was it, 50, oh, uh, 46 states, 
um, has raised a huge amount of money, and we're looking to com combine my talent with Tom's talent and his his company to basically provide a service to communities that want to um, to, to somehow fund broadband networks. So we basically just start about, um, you know, I know, Tom, you started talking a little bit about uh, the, the company, but what's the secret of your success? Well, I think the secret of our success really lies in the, the notion that uh, the rising tide raises all boats. And whatever our clients looking to do with the money they want us to raise, um, their ability to show the stakeholders in the community how it's going to benefit the community as a whole, um, as well as individuals and companies and local governments specifically, um, is 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 really the root of it. Mm hmm And but you have a you have a uh, a methodology that uh, you and I have talked about. Um, do you think that yeah, now yeah, it's really a, it's it's really a pretty simple process. We've we've sort of broken it down into five steps, and I'll go through them. And the first one, which is I guess what the people on this call are involved in, and that is to identify the challenges or the opportunities that face a community. Um, and mm -hmm. you know, in our in our world, it's the you know the chamber of commerce leaders or the economic development council or the city manager or the county government that says, but for X, you know, we could be doing better. Um, from an economic standpoint, whatever they identify as X, and often it's through a strategic planning or a visioning process, um, they will document, you know, the things that they can do. Um, the next step in the process is to really draft what we call a multi-year strategic initiative. Um, it can be programming. It can be true capital, um, as with a broadband network, or as I said earlier, a, you know, building a spec building or investing in an industrial park, whatever it may be. But draft a program. Um, that, that gives an overview of what what you know uh, community X or organization Y intends to do. Um, step three is to is to take that proposed initiative to the community stakeholders and market test it. Um, so we will go do oh 50 or so confidential interviews with um, the top business executives, the government officials, influencers, and other community leaders to find out, A, what they think of this idea, um, B, what do they think of the organization that's proposing to do it, um, and then, you know, really to find out if and how we could fund it. Um, you know, and that that gets into pure fundraising discussions of, you know, amount of money available, uh, leaders that need to sign on and champion it, uh, competition for dollars and things like that. Um, once we get the results of that, um, you know, generally we proceed to step four, which is, we refine the plan based on what we heard um, through those interviews, um, and then if everything still, you know, looks lined up well, um, then we'll actually launch a, a, an aggressive fundraising campaign to fund that initiative, generally with uh, four to five-year pledge payments. Right, and um, the 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 size of the the community. Well, it actually is a, fu a function of the size of the community or the size of the um, fundraising goal that you guys key in to. You know, what, is there like a you know a sweet spot of type of community or project amount that that works 
well with that that you found? Yeah, well, it really varies, as you said, on size of the community. Um, for our firm specifically, in the process I just mentioned, you know, I mean, you could, you know, they don't necessarily have to, you know, hire us to do it. Um, for the way we operate, we generally um, target campaigns or, or fundraising goals um, between $2 million and, let's say, $20 million. Um, mm -hmm. Most of the campaigns we do are in that range. Um, as far as sweet spot, it really varies. I mean, we will work in a you know in a large community with a pretty aggressive um, you know economic development uh, strategic plan, and we may raise them you know three or four million dollars a year to execute that plan. Um, and then there's smaller communities that obviously don't have as many resources, but you'd be surprised. And and, and we love um, the the best example we give is Sioux Falls, South Dakota been a client of ours for 30 years. It's a community of about 250,000 people. They just topped that magic number of 250,000 in the in the Sioux Falls region. Uh, we're currently raising uh, over $15 million there to execute a, a pretty aggressive, um, actually it's around talent attraction. Um, so th th there's no magic, you know, correlation between population and the amount of money you can raise. Okay. So let's go to the um, report that I uh, recently did in uh, in October, um, called, uh, show me the hidden money for community broadband, and uh, and you've read it, and um, it's the one that really I'm looking at how to, uh, based on the needs analysis, uh, identify. Um, uh, funders or potential funders to fund the um, the goal, not necessarily the, the the building of the network per se, but what the network is supposed to accomplish. And that's sure. the part that that that, that most, most people get into if you're talking about giving money um, is the 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 um, the actual goal, what is going to happen with the network, and you know. Let's talk about you know your response to that report and how uh, some of the uh, points in it coincide with what you have found to be successful with your fundraising efforts. Sure, and and um, I will you know um, uh, stipulate that I am by no means a broadband expert, but I know enough about it to know it's an important tool. Um, an asset in community and economic development, and the, so the, the the reality is is that every you know you take a community and by community let's call it um, for example a you know a, a county of 150,000 people somewhere in the Midwest that's you know it's not a major metro area but it's close to some but it's um, you know it's a thriving community of like I said maybe 150,000 people. There are a number of stakeholders in that community whose personal and business interests are tied to the economic growth and success of that community. And in, in many aspects, our clients, are all they're doing is trying to, to raise the quotient and raise the trajectory of, of economic success. Um, and typically, they're spending money to go out and recruit business, uh, maybe build an incubator, maybe b uh, build a spec building at the, at the you know, uh, industrial park. Well, in my mind, a broadband network is no different. Um, if 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 I'm the local economic development council and it's my charge to go 
attract business to, to our community or keep businesses in our community from leaving, um, what are the basic things they want? Well, they want a good education system. They want good quality of life for their people. Um, they want good roads and access to highway and rail and water and, and electricity rates and all that. Well, they also need a pretty darn robust communication system. And if the you know if the if it's a smaller you know off the beaten path community, and broadband and high speed networks um, and, and you know what comes with that is the is the one thing that's keeping them from you know being on the short list of companies looking to relocate or grow a manufacturing facility or a warehouse and distribution facility, then why shouldn't a broadband network raise to the top? in terms of that community's um, needs and assets that they need to get their arms around uh, to achieve their goals of economic growth. Right. And where the report goes a couple of steps beyond that is basically says, you know, looking at the needs of the community, um, and there are obviously going to be a lot of economic development uh, needs, and typically with, with, the, with these these projects, but also looking at um, the, the uh, goal of uh, in transforming the education system in uh, improving the health care delivery, uh, even the, the change of um, making the uh, local government more effective, mm-hmm. all of these things um, you can usually find someone to look at and say, you know, if the community can impact these four areas, then, you know, we may have money, you know, as as an agency or as a foundation, we would look at and say, how do we um, help them achieve those goals? And subsequently, by looking at the, the, the goals and putting the goals out front, you're allowing people to um, move beyond the issue of technology and bits and, and bytes and so forth, which may not really um, excite a lot of people or people may not even understand it. But the idea of uh, our ability to improve the education system, uh, to give the students um, both uh, laptops and access will make our school system better. Well, then there are various organizations who will look at this and say, you know what, we'll put money into that objective. So it's Absolutely. The, the objective, right? And I think Absolutely. That, that, and that's really, really where you and I uh, definitely tied in is that um, rather than say, oh, I need this money because we want to build a gigabit network, which may not, you know, float someone's boat. But if I say I can change uh, how we deliver health care or we able to, or we're able to give uh, health care uh, services to some of our remote areas, that is what gets a funder excited and willing to contribute. Absolutely, and you know, and every funder has their own, um, you know, motivations for giving, and 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 certainly there's no shortage of true traditional nonprofit. You know, you get the warm glow in your heart for for making a big donation, 
causes around the country in every community. Um, and I see what you've just described as a perfect intersection between some of those causes, whether it be education and health care or other social services, um, where they intersect with true community and economic development, creating prosperity, creating opportunity. Um, you know, one of the biggest things we, we hear in, in smaller communities around the country is, you know, the brain drain. that they, right. The business executives support uh, robust economic development programs because they want their kids and their grandkids to have opportunities and not have to leave and go somewhere else. A broadband network would be a perfect uh, tool to help sort of bridge that gap. Um, and I agree that if broadband can boost um, health care delivery in a community, if it can boost education in a community, and certainly I, I think it does both, um, then by definition it makes that community a much more competitive player in the world of economic development, whether that world be, you know, recruiting new companies to town, convincing the companies, employers that are there to stay there, um, because it's a, you know, it's a viable place to do business. So, you know, for a community that doesn't have, um, you know, broadband or the, you know, a robust enough communication uh, system, uh, you know, I, th I think it's as integral to having, you know, good roads and good police and good schools and good parks and all those things. Mm -hmm. And probably now would be a good time to, you know, to really spell out what the combined services that we're getting ready to um, offer the communities, right? So we, we why I, I broke it down as a um, four-step process. Um, uh, the first part is to do a, uh, a workshop where we get all of the stakeholders uh, together for two days, um, well, half-day sessions, really. Um, and the key thing is to ask the right questions. You know, we talk about spending a lot of money, uh, you know, $100,000, $150,000 for a uh, feasibility study, but I think the first one, uh, the first uh, objective should be, you know, what is it that the various communities, uh, constituencies uh, either need or want? And going through all of those different stakeholders is how you start the process going. Like a lot of times I think uh, communities don't understand what they don't know, and they put a very generic uh, RFP together for the, a, a feasibility study. But and they may get good consultants to respond to the um, the RFP, but they may not necessarily be getting the right answers um, because they're not asking the right questions. So the, the workshop starts. The process out uh, uh, off with you know what do people need? Um, what will be the benefit of meeting those needs? And are there other uh, are there folks? Uh, are there organizations? Are there you know wealthy individuals um, who both part of the community but can be other entities that are just that that exist? to help communities move forward, you know, identify all those people. And it sets up the 
the process, which eventually will lead to then, then Tom's group coming in to um, to do their thing, right? But by getting these people together, first and foremost, and doing an, an exhaustive needs assessment. Now, part of that may need, uh, may also be um, uh, what, what understanding what technologies are available, what technologies they would like to have available, um, uh, the engineering issues, where you're going to build it. Is it going to be above ground, uh, below ground, some hybrid? Um, there, there are a whole bunch of questions that, that need to be um, answered with the thinking that um, the people who are going to be both the, the um, customers of the network and the potential funders need to have an understanding of what this network means for them. So that, that, that becomes the, the first part. Then there's the actual needs analysis. And again, in, in, in a number of ways, Tom and I are very much in sync with the needs analysis part. You know, the ask the the asking of the questions, who's you know not only the who's going to be a customer, but who's gonna who's going to benefit, and um, there's a whole series of questions and we'll call it process, um, and more questions uh, as part of that needs analysis process, right? So the the workshop leads to the needs analysis. Now also along the way. Um, with the plan of working with Tom on the actual fundraising, when that kicks in, we will be uh, identifying along the way various potential donors, right? Because we want to have um, that uh, to help along with the, you know, as you're getting people enthused about the network, the 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 idea of where different uh, sources of funding is going to come from makes the uh, exercise uh, more real for people, and I think that that helps with overall acceptance, consensus, um, and ultimately creating a vision that everyone is going to buy into. Now, the third part uh, is to, to do a pilot process, which is where you basically are building out, you know, 15, 35% of the network to a, to um, test certain assumptions. Uh, the, the you know the needs the needs analysis results, uh, the um, build out time and cost. Uh, are are we being realistic with that? Um, are we trying to figure out are we um, meeting our revenue assumptions? Um, you want to also uh, test out marketing messages that can help the um, launch the, the the network in the full build out. So the, the the pilot process is where you verify the various um, assumptions about the network, but you also uh, create information that then Tom can take and then uh, incorporate that into the fundraising effort. 
right? Because if you're a potential funder, and then Tom can 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 verify what we're talking about here. Um, if you're a potential investor, having shown a pilot success makes the funder more comfortable with getting uh, not only their check into the mix, but also possibly running into uh, uh, additional uh, uh, organizations or uh, individuals who will help the process as well. Uh, and then, Tom, like, so you, you, know, you can add in here on you know, the value of that. Yeah, and, and I think you've described the process well from from – from my perspective and from what I know about community leaders um, and how they think about these kind of things is, is that they there's a, a, a high degree of uncertainty, and with uncertainty comes fear of, you know, jumping off the proverbial cliff and not knowing what's at the bottom of it. Um, and certainly, you know, the idea of, of, of building a broadband network fits into that, you know, description. What this process that Craig describes and our role in it the beauty of it, if, if nothing else, is it will provide certainty to community leaders, whether they be government or private sector or both, the degree to which the community as a whole um, will embrace this idea and whether or not they'll help pay for it, and if so, how much. Um, so you find all that out before you have to jump off the big cliff. Um, and, and basically, at the end of this process that Craig described, um, you know, if done correctly, uh, the folks who are interested in, in, in doing a broadband network will know, you know, whether there's a net at the bottom of the cliff or not. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And, and that's a key uh, factor. Um, you know, I'm, not, I'm not no harm, no foul. They, would they, they've learned that, um, that it's not a viable project from a community standpoint and a community help paying for it. Um, you learn that... Um, you know, in a good way, and you learn it at the right time without, you know, hurting yourself. Right, exactly. Now, I would also venture, uh, Tom, that, um, you know, we talk about economic development, and often the communities are thinking of um, getting new businesses into the area and helping the current ones um, uh, do well. But isn't the uh, the education side of the the equation and the uh, how well the government functions and the um, econo- the um, healthcare side are really economic issues as well? Oh, they're okay. huge, and and everything you just said um, is very accurate, especially the edu- education. Um, we're active with the International Economic Development Council. I just went to. A, National Leadership Conference with them a couple of weeks ago, and practically every community is struggling with education, talent recruitment, talent retention, um, because in the in the world of business attraction and business expansion, you know, talent and workforce has replaced what you know years ago was cheap land, cheap labor, or you know, cheap electricity. Um, you know, all that stuff still matters, and in, in highways and rails, but. Um, right now, every community is focused on education and talent to make to, to set themselves apart as a location for business. Um, so, to that end, everything they're doing to to boost their local education system, whether it's K through 12 or, or or higher ed, 
I, I can't imagine how a, a robust, um, you know, minimally capacitive broadband um, network is not part and parcel of that. Um, healthcare the same way. Um, you show me a community, um, you know, again, let's take our Midwest 150,000 population county example, um, who wants to recruit, you know, a, a new company to town. Um, if they don't have decent health care or the closest health care is 40 miles away, they're off the list. Um, they will not compete for that new company. Um, and then I would say say the same thing with good government. It may be a little further down the list. I mean, they want business-friendly government, um, but certainly having um, an efficient local government that operates uh, efficiently because of the you know communications capacity they have, you know that's just one more feather in your cap when you're competing with the community, you know, in the next state or three states over. Mm-hmm. And it's it's I think it's important people to understand that um, the needs uh, um, equation is um, is 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 key. Because you have to have, um, if you're looking at it from a financial aspect, okay, the financial viability of the network, right? It's not necessarily like you're trying to make a um, 50% profit margin on the services that you sell, right? But at the same time, you still have to have um, money coming in to fund the network ongoing. And so each of these needs represents uh, revenue as well as it represents uh, potential funding. So you have to look at it as well and then, then also looking then at the value of the services that are part of this package is the whole issue of um, when, when you're doing the needs assessment you're also identifying customers. And I think that this point gets lost sometimes in discussions uh, when I look at some of the RFPs that are out there and so forth. This this question of customers, right, um, sometimes will become, well, you know, can we get our certain take rate and so forth. I think you look at or need to look at what happens when people get um, good health care, right? They're going to want to be on the network, right? And that, we, that always comes to that issue of broadband adoption, right? Again, you know, we talk about the building of the network, but we got to talk about um, the uh, the adoption. And that all, again, it all comes back to, you know, keeping the, uh, uh, the funders engaged, but you know when you can show that uh we're going to get um you know all the hospitals on board well there's a uh revenue aspect as well as the um the 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 benefits like if i look at loma linda in california right they uh built a network and they also, because they happened to have uh, several hospitals um, at the time they, they, they launched this, um, they wanted to make the hospitals 
pulled to pulled together in the network so that they could basically market that to potential um residents and also companies. So it was a case of turning the um uh the broadband as a facilitator of better health care, which in turn became the one of the, the, the key points of their marketing of the city. Uh, Danville, Virginia uh, is doing the same thing. Now, they initially started with an, entire, with an idea that they were going to uh, uh, function in a economic development uh, business attraction mode. That was their primary reason for having the network together. But then someone decided that, well, if we took our uh, health care centers, our clinics, and our doctors and put a basically a intranet type of arrangement together, uh, not only is that something that people or organizations will pay for, um, it gave them bragging rights for having a very sophisticated um healthcare network and also they with because of that their their gig network they're also able to talk about being to uh, able to tie in um electronically you know all of the biggest uh hospitals and specialists and so forth in their small town so um and that's huge and from the warm and fuzzy standpoint, um, you know, when, when you talk about being able to deliver the Mayo Clinic in a rural part of Virginia, right, as a funder, um, that's that's that that goes to, to awesome lengths of getting those people engaged. Would you say, Tom? Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, you're not. Uh, you know, you're not building the broadband network just to check it off a list. I mean, there's a reason you're doing it, and it's going to benefit a whole lot of people. And the people that it benefits, you know, A, will help pay for it, but I think more importantly is that by benefiting all those people you and benefiting your community, you allow your community to grow. So by definition, it's going to help expand the tax base. So, you know, from a public, from a local government standpoint, yeah, they're going to look very carefully at the, you know, the cost-benefit of, of building it and what they think they can charge for it and how many users are going to have, and, and that's certainly part of it. Um, but hopefully the the bigger picture will be them looking at, um, you know, growing the tax base of, of, of their community so where, you know, regardless of how many people, you know, buy the service and how much they pay for it, they're going to have more tax-paying companies, more tax-paying people, more jobs, more educated people, um, everything that, that lifts a community up um, in, in ways well beyond, you know, how many people are subscribed to a service. Mm-hmm. And um, beyond the, uh, you want to make sure the the, the investment is going to pay off, um, which people have a certain amount of interest in, right? They want to make sure that the, from the bottom line perspective, the, the project, or in this particular case, the broadband project, is... Um, is turning over some so, sort of general uh, revenue. But you sure. made the, the point that um, you don't want to necessarily focus on 
um, an organizational budget. Um, do you, you want to talk expand a little bit on that? Yeah, well, and what we do in, in, in the fundraising we're involved in and the kind of organizations we've done it for, we've learned very quickly that there's a very distinct difference between what people will pay for a specific, um, you know, what I'll call aggressive and robust initiative, whether it's building something or creating programs that you've got to staff up and, and, and have advertising and marketing budgets to do Whatever it is, if you can, you know, every dollar ought to be traceable to something you're doing with those dollars. Um, the way we like to say it is, look, we're going to do something, and and it's going to light the fuse in our on our community's economic future. And, and and by lighting that fuse, and we all run like crazy to do this stuff, the payoff is significant. That is a far different, you know, sales pitch, if you will, than going to the biggest bank in town or the power company and say, hey. Um, we got this great organization, and we do great stuff. And but we, you know, we got a big budget, so um, we need to help you pay to to sustain our our, our organization. Um, you know, what people will pay for membership dues, or what they will pay for what they perceive as you know the never-ending civic overhead, is far less than what they will pay for you know a specific aggressive initiative like this. Um, a perfect example. I'll go back to Sioux Falls. Um, you know, there's a lot of good organizations, a lot of good things that go on there. The, the, our client organization there that's been funding these kinds of initiatives for over 30 years, they put together a very specific five-year plan, and they go to their investors and say, we're going to do this for the next five years. And when it's over, it's either done or we'll come back and, and, and restructure it and do something else. Well, they, those, those plans are attractive enough to the stakeholders to the point where we had two hospitals invest over a million dollars over five years in these programs. Um, you know, the airport authority plays, the city pay plays, the county plays, all the big banks play, um, and on down the line. But the idea of getting a, a local health care organization to commit a million dollars over five years to something, they're going to do that for a specific set of outcomes, which I would think a broadband network could, you know, achieve. Um, mm -hmm. They will not commit that kind of money to a gold-level membership at the Chamber of Commerce. Right. And I think also um, that I, you know, I want to make sure this point doesn't get overlooked. Um, what Tom is talking here about is um, oh, uh, the donation over time, right? Because, again, the mindset, I think, of a lot of people is uh, the network's going to cost $10 million, so we've got to raise $10 million or at least half of it before we can start. But what you're proposing, uh, Tom, is um, a four- or five-year uh, investment plan is okay. Yeah, and typically that investment schedule, the pledge period, typically matches the program of work. And again, my, my um, naivete on you know, how broadband networks come to be, um, but I sense that it's a process and there's a number of steps and you don't just suddenly flip the switch and it's on. You've got to build it. You've got to, you know, all these things to do. But, but you know, it would be ideal to put together a five-year development plan for the network that matches the five-year funding stream. Okay. And that, that, that you know, in my mind, that makes uh, plenty of sense because mo most of these, these um, build-outs, Unless they're starting with a lot of fiber already in the ground, 
um, it's going to take two or three years um, yep. to, to, yep. to build out. And there's always a possibility that after three years, you know, they'll decide that they need to either the incor- they need to incorporate uh, a bigger graph- uh, geographical area um, or just a, uh, a lot of people all of a sudden coming in. And so, you know, you've got to take that into consideration as, as well. And another point I wanted to, to t- touch on, um, because we, you and I have talked about this, and uh, even in my uh, my two books, um, is this idea of um, what people help write, they will help underwrite, mm-hmm. right? In which space the, 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 the your stakeholders that you're bringing in together, you know, that whole needs analysis part and that feasibility study, um, a good part of that is to also get people's input um into the plan, into the vision, into to, you know, where we're trying to go. And by virtue of those people participating in the writing of the plan, they are more than likely to be contributors to the to the Absolutely. Plan. They take ownership in it and it's far different than, you know, you don't want some um you know, a, a city manager or some technology guru that comes up with the plan that they think is, you know, perfect, but then they go to the community stakeholders and say, hey, I got this great idea. I want you to pay for it. Um, the, the process we go through ensures that all those stakeholders that will eventually be asked for money, that they've had some say-so. So for one example, you may have a plant manager um, who says, you know, we need, you know, uh, X megabytes or we need redundancy or whatever it is, um, that they need to ensure that they don't, you know, that their production doesn't go down or that maybe they can expand and add another line. You may have others that say, you know what, I want these pipes flowing fast into the library so that we can do, you know, telelearning or whatever at the library. And you may have others, as you mentioned, at the hospital talking about the needs at the hospital. And while it may ultimately end up looking the same as what that technology geek or the, or the you know, city manager um, was proposing initially, and suddenly it's these other people's idea, and they understand it, and they've bought into it, and, and therefore they're going to be much more inclined to help pay for it um, than if the first time they hear about it is, is you know, when they're being asked for money. Right, right. Um, and that uh, reminds me of a, uh, a, a story that I've written about a couple times, which is um, a group in Kansas, uh, a couple of uh, ex, uh, ex uh, telco uh, executives decided to build a network in um, Eupor- Euphoria, of um, Emporia, sorry, um, Kansas, and they uh, figured out how much money they needed. Um, they figured out they're going to offer stocks uh, into into the company. Um, uh, and you needed fifty million, fifty thousand as a starting point, right? And what they found uh, surprising were the number of people who looked like just everyday farmers, um, or you know, folks that you look at and it would say, "Well, that person isn't going to have fifty thousand dollars." Yet the people who were coming in to be to buy into this uh, project were able to do it, but they didn't necessarily look the part. 
And I think that's another thing that people need to think about is until you ask, you don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And, You'd be surprised. At, and I'm surprised every every day, every week that we work at the people that you think either wouldn't have the capacity or wouldn't have the interest in the kind of money they put up. I, you know, perfect example, we always, we always joke that in communities where we work with chambers and EDCs and no one ever talks to the trash man. Well, we've gotten commitments of, you know, high six and some, and even seven-figure commitments out of the local waste management companies um, to fund some of these economic development programs. Um, back to your example, you know, the in the rural parts of the nation and where agricultural is big, um, you know, we had a widow in a small South Dakota town whose, um, you know, um, deceased husband had made a fortune uh, in the ethanol business as a corn farmer. Well, she saw that this community and, and particularly the economic development folks had made it possible for her, her husband to to succeed and do really well, and she made a huge commitment, um, kind of like she was leaving a you know a, a, a brick on the wall at the local library, but they didn't have a local library to honor him, so she did it this way. Mm-hmm. And it's very um, uh, interesting uh, the, the 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 ask, right? Um, I think people just they, they they wall off certain parts of the, their community. Um, and then don't even call on them when they're doing this kind of uh, a fundraising effort, and that's that's a big mistake, <laughs> in my in my opinion. Yeah, uh, no, you, well, you, it's like you said initially. I mean, the, the biggest we we joke that the, the the fundamental mistake in fundraising is failure to ask. Um, so the other thing I add, I know we're getting short on time okay. here, is the thing that attracts me about this 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 broadband issue as a way, as a as a target of this kind of community fundraising is that it, it is a natural fit for a public private partnership um, and we have found over the 30 years of doing this in the economic development arena um, that public private partnerships are becoming um, more and more important and more and more effective and you know they've gone from being a buzzword to something that's that's real and, and I can't think of anything more perfect fit because um, the public sector obviously has to be involved because a they have resources and b you know it's an infrastructure type um, issue and many of the public sector um, you know municipalities may end up owning these networks so they have to be there. Um, the private sector are, are equal beneficiaries and they should be there too with their resources. Um, but the idea that they can be involved in, in a public sector. Um, development, it, it makes it more attractive to them. In other words, it's, you know, it's very different than saying we're going to, you know, we're going to widen Main Street from two lanes to or one lane to two lanes going through town. Well, that's an infrastructure issue, and, and everybody gets and how it helps. Gotta, Tom, but no one would imagine that that shouldn't be funded just Tom. with tax dollars. This is different. Okay. And that's it for our show. Thank you very, very much, and uh, we'll talk again soon.